You've been walking the dusty road for days, barely able to keep those distorted and barely functioning legs of yours moving. A painful outcome from contracting polio as a child. Many of those who are walking along the road with you go past you, but others hobble along at your pace because they too are stricken with painful diseases and conditions. The road from your home in Damascus, and I don't mean the one here in Oregon, I mean the one in Syria, the land of the Gentiles. The road from your home to Galilee and Judea is a long one, but well-traveled. You pass by Mount Hermon, with its snow-capped peak providing cool, flowing waters into Lake Kinneret, also known as the Sea of Galilee, and the Jordan River below it. And as you come to the last ridge in Golan, thinking you can't go any further, you finally see the destination ahead in the valley below. The place you heard, there was a man down there who could do something about your disease. A holy man from God, a prophet, a teacher, who cares? As long as he puts his hands on you and blesses you and heals you, That's all that matters. But as you gaze down into the land of Galilee, unknowingly, you're headed into one of the darkest places ever mentioned in Scripture. Naphtali, Zebulun, places beyond the Jordan, the land of the Gerasenes. You're looking for healing in a concentrated area of demon-possessed men, women, and children. People with all sorts of afflictions, lepers, the blind, the crippled, paralyzed, even the dead. But you press on to Capernaum on the shores of that great lake ahead. Thank God it's downhill from here. The holy man you're seeking has also just come down from a mountain. Well, more like a hillside, but higher than the lake nonetheless. He's just taught his friends, his disciples, some very interesting things. Some things which are quite different from the way people are used to treating each other in this time and land. Things such as, you better knock off the sleeping around. Those who are are into that and love it won't won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Other hard teachings too, like, not holding grudges and retaliating against one another. Love each other instead. You all seem to love yourselves pretty well. Love others that way, and the kingdom is open, wide open to you. Give to the needy. The golden rule, and many, many other things you missed hearing about because you were still hobbling down that road from Damascus, but you're in the right place. You're in proximity now to a man who had leprosy. No one's ever had leprosy before. You have it, then you die. But there's a light in the midst of this dark place now. The guy who had leprosy a little while ago isn't telling anyone except the priest. So you don't know about this yet. But you're hearing other things. You're hearing the crowds mumble around you something about 
the servant of a Roman captain being healed. Well, that's promising. Where is this healer? He has to be nearby. How can you find him? Peter's house, someone says. He just made his mother-in-law well. Well, who's Peter? And where's his house? That way. He lives there. He's a friend of Jesus. Jesus, so that's his name. (laughs) Not much of a house today, is it? But man, on that night of whatever day it was, 1,987 years ago, this place was hopping. There was a party going on here, an all-nighter. People hobbled in, crawled in, were brought in on cots and mats, and came out leaping like young calves from the stall. You are one of them. He did this for you to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took your illness and bore your disease. Take heart then. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to clear all your wrongdoings and give you healing, not just so you can walk or see or talk, but to keep hope alive in your heart that no sickness of mind or body can separate you from his love for you. So it's a long road back to Damascus. You can walk it now. You can even sprint home. But there's a cost to what's just happened. The house you left back in Damascus, most likely ransacked by thieves and robbers the day after you left, leave it. After all, the one who just healed you has no permanent place to to lay his head. Follow him. But what about your ailing parents back in Syria? Jesus would agree, honoring your parents is the thing to do. Potential volunteers to Jesus' mission, though, need to consider the priorities. Yeah, you could walk all the way back home to tell your parents and tell them what God has done for you and for them before they die, and perhaps they'd be saved. But following Jesus takes precedence over everything else. What would you do? What kind of disciple are you? Neither one of these would-be disciples in Matthew that Matthew records for us have counted the cost. One of them answers too quickly, Oh, yeah, I'll go wherever you go. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't doesn't say, Okay, then follow me. He kind of gives them a kind of a rebuttal. And the others got baggage dragging him down. This other disciple's got unfinished business back home pulling him away. From Jesus. We don't hear anything more about these guys. When we look at ourselves, we confess that we often fall to, fail to count the cost in our words and actions. But, but though we fall short, Jesus does not. He went all the way from Galilee up to Jerusalem to the cross to give us sincere repentance and faith and life. This is what makes us better disciples. So you and I follow him. Now listen to more of what Matthew says Jesus did 
as his disciples got with him into the boat. <clears throat> this is Beck, right? I've read this before. Uh, I've read this, his translation to you before. Uh, very good, straight from the Greek, all right? And the reason I'm reading this to you now is because you've never heard this on Sunday. You've probably heard it, uh, Bible studies or whatever, but these uh, paragraphs are not in the three-year lectionary. So let's hear more about the healing that Jesus did. So after he did all this stuff uh, in Capernaum with the, the healing there, Jesus came to his own town. There people brought him a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the Bible scholars, and these would be the Pharisees, said to themselves, He's blaspheming. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Why do you think evil in your hearts, he asked them. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? This sounds familiar, doesn't it? I want you to know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your bed, and go home. He got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were frightened, and they praised God for giving such power to men. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. While he was talking to the people, a leader came to him and bowed down to the ground before him. My daughter just died. But come, lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus and his disciples got up and followed him. Now there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. She came to him from behind and touched the tassel of his garment. If I only touch his garment, she said to herself, I will get well. Jesus turned and saw her. Cheer up, daughter, he said. Your faith made you well. After that, the woman was well. When Jesus came to the leader's home, he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd. Go away, he said. The little girl isn't dead. She's sleeping. But they laughed at him. When the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her hand, and the little girl got up. She was dead, remember? This was not a a misunderstanding. The news about this spread all over that part of the country. When Jesus left that place, two blind men followed him and called, Have pity on us, son of David. He went into a house, and there the blind men came to him. Do you believe I can do this? Jesus asked them. Yes, Lord, they told him. Then he touched their eyes and said, As you believed, so it must be done to you. Then they could see again. And here he says something very familiar to the other other person earlier. See that nobody finds out about this. Strange. Wouldn't you think Jesus would want people to proclaim his glory? He tells them, he sternly ordered them, but they to not say anything. But they went out and spread the news anyway, all over that part of the country. As they were going out, a a dumb man, a, a mute man, I guess, with a devil in him, was brought to him. But as soon as the devil was put out, the dumb man spoke. The crowds were amazed and said, we've never seen anything like this in Israel. But the Pharisees declared, the ruler of the devils helps him drive out the devils. 
And if you remember a verse earlier, probably last year sometime, because you remember everything, right? <laughs> uh, calling Jesus the devil is like the worst sin you can commit. Like that is the unforgivable sin. Not suicide, not any of this other stuff. Calling Jesus the devil is like, you might as well hang it up, right? So these Pharisees have no hope, unfortunately. So I'm going to skip to chapter 12 just a little bit more because Jesus continues to walk throughout the land of Galilee, going up to Nazareth, Jericho, back to Capernaum. Then he goes back around the lake again. Then some Bible scholars and Pharisees said, Teacher, we want, we want you to show us some wonderful proof, as if there hasn't been enough proof already. So Jesus answers them, The wicked and unfaithful people of today are looking for a proof. But the only proof they'll get is the prophet Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the big fish three days, so the Son of Man will be in the bosom of the earth three days. Now you get what that means, right? He's foretelling his death, burial, and resurrection. And you know, if anyone wants to argue uh, whether these Old Testament stories you learned in Sunday school, you know, Jonah and the whale, Noah and the ark, all that stuff is true or not, well, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and a believer of Jesus, well, he believed it. It's right here. He's using Jonah as an example that he too will be encased dead in something for three days and will come back to life. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with these people and condemn them because they repeated when, they repeated when Jonah preached. Now look, one greater than Jonah is here. He's saying himself, I'm here. I'm greater than Jonah. And then he uses the strange example of the Queen of Sheba. The queen from the south will rise up in the judgment with these people and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear Solomon's wisdom. Now look, one greater than Solomon is here. So he's, he's using their own Pharisees' own Scripture, their own scrolls, their own logic, their own heroes from the past to show that he's them, but better than them. When an unclean spirit comes out of a man, he goes through dry places looking for a place to rest, but doesn't find any. Then he says, I'll go back to the home I left. He comes and finds it empty, swept and decorated. Then he goes and takes home with him seven other spirits worse than himself. And they go in and live there. In the end, that man is worse than he was before. That's what will happen to the wicked people of today. All right, then I'm just going to stop here for a minute. But while he was talking to the people about all this, his mother and his brother were standing outside wanting to talk to him. Now, this is also mentioned in Mark. But Mark says something different. Mark says that his mother and brothers thought Jesus was crazy. Uh, Matthew doesn't mention that. But it says here, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, somebody told him, and want to talk to you. Who is my mother, he asked. And who are my brothers? Pointing with his hand to the disciples, he said, these are my mother and my brothers. If you do what my father in heaven wants, you are my brother and sister and mother. My friends, there's many other healings and miracles that Jesus performed in Matthew that 
don't normally get read on Sundays, but I've just given you a sample, and we'll we'll leave it at that, right? Jesus comes today with healing for you and me, and we pray for all our members who need physical healing, but we also pray for ourselves, that he would continue to strengthen our hearts with faith to believe that the ultimate healing is yet to come, right? The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting on the new earth. More to come, folks, next Sunday, so don't miss it. Peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.